You are listening to the Lucha Central Podcast Network. And now, Lucha Central Weekly. to another edition of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast. This is the podcast that lets you know all of the latest happening in the world of Lucha Libre. We cover news and events from the week that was in Lucha, talking Mexico-based promotions and top independents, along with Luchador-related news from throughout the United States. The Lucha Central Weekly Podcast is part of the Lucha Central Podcast Network on LuchaCentral.com. This podcast and others from the network are also available on all major podcast streaming platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Podbay Speaker, and more. My name is Miranda Morales, and I'm one of the co-hosts of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast. And let me bring in the rest of the team. Introducing first, he is the dashing one, Mr. Dusty Murphy. Dusty, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing, Miranda? I am doing well. So good to be with you, as well as the third member of this trio. And that's who? 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 (laughs) It's the one and only Brendan Barr. That's who. Hey, I'm excited to be here. Uh, I guess I'll do it. I'll drop this on the – I'm glad we're back. Yes. Yes. We did – Life got in the way. We did promise some big things a couple of weeks ago. Don't worry. We're getting to all of that stuff, too. But uh, we we will be back to this weekly format. Yes, it, it did happen where <laughs> we all had life events happen. It's getting busy. Lucha Central Weekly Podcast was not so weekly um, over the past few weeks, so no, you didn't miss an episode, uh, but as Brendan said, we are back to the format. We are excited. We got some things to catch up on, uh, so A you lot gotta of hold on yeah. tight because there's been some things happening, big things happening, so uh, stay tuned because we are going to be covering, I mean, literally the landscape of wrestling has changed in just the few weeks that we've been out yeah, we picked between. from that perspective. We picked the wrong weeks for for life to happen. Yes, but good God. <laughs> but you know, life goes on. We are going to catch you all up on what's been happening in the world of lucha libre. So make sure you hold on tight uh, because we got quite a show for you, and we back, baby. And better than ever. So thank you so much for listening to this week's show. Thank you for being there and uh, and being part of this crazy journey with us. Um, as we get closer and closer to episode 100, um, too. That's a big, big milestone for us. And so appreciative of all of you who have been part of that journey, whether you've listened to one episode or all of them. A big thank you for joining us uh, on this week's uh, episode and the future ones to come. So we're going to get back to it. The We got it going with the news of the week with Brendan. Hey, hey. 
so I I'm gonna start with a fun one. There was a viral clip a little bit ago uh from an IWRG show where a woman poured a drink in the upper level, dumped a drink out on Lady Maravilla, who then proceeded to throw something back at her and then cut a promo, which is to those of you who are familiar with indie shows, this is nothing new. But somehow this clip caught on and uh so I'm sure many of you have seen it, but I just thought it was a fun little thing because uh, I don't normally see the luchadors do this, like stop and, and just call somebody out for being a bad person in the middle of a show. And there's a lot of people that get involved in lucha shows. Like we get really wrapped up in the show at lucha. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> if you've. If you've ever seen the crazy guys in the front rows at uh, any lucha show, that they're, they're, they're all like that, all of them. Um, some news on, on Lucha going to Japan. We will be talking a bit about more of that later, but, uh, this is about Noah and Hiho del Dr. Wagner and Tejano Jr. said that they're going to be doing, uh, they're going to be in Japan with Noah for about three months. So, uh, expect a big tour, and they, they, there are other lucha names that are signed on for that. So, uh, we're talking about, uh, Super Crazy, Dragon Bane, Extreme Tiger, I believe are all mentioned on this. That's what I have in my notes currently. Um, you know, so, uh, which is interesting also. Uh, I'd want to thank, uh, Lucha blog for pointing this out. That means Extreme Tiger will not be able to be at Expo Lucha as he was originally billed. But uh, Expo Lucha has announced that Astro Lux will be there as a fill-in. So, uh, good luck to Extreme Tiger in Japan. That sounds like fun. And those of us going to Philly get to see Astro Lux now. So, uh, I feel like that's that's kind of a big deal too. Uh, in, in kind of craziness, we had talked about, in previous weeks about a San Francisco show that was going to feature Nick Wayne versus Bandito, and I was very excited about this, and that turned into a big news story because a bunch of wrestlers didn't make that show. There were some failed plane connections, some other things, Bandito, uh, and Gringo Loco were among the ones that were missing. The GCW show did put, put in some adequate replacements. Nick Wayne wrestled Effie in the opening match, which, you know, not Lucha, but, uh, I'm sure GCW fans were just as excited to see that. And, uh, they have announced the Nick Wayne, uh, Bandito rematch is going to be at their show in Los Angeles on 521. So if you, like me, wanted, really wanted to see that, uh, you still have a chance to catch that match live because it didn't happen yet. This is, uh, a take two. And then, uh, in, in, uh, what's probably going to be Dusty's favorite news story of the week, Ultimo Dragon announced that he is bringing the Torimon Mexico promotion back. Uh, what's interesting about this is originally that was affiliated with CMLL and they did shows in Arena Mexico sometimes before CMLL shows, sometimes it's their own thing. But, uh, as those of you who have been paying attention will notice, Ultimo Dragon is on a AAA show this year. So, yeah. uh, he, he's probably not going to be doing any shows out of Arena Mexico anytime soon. 
So, uh, CMLL are really <laughs> losing the grip that they had on the Lucha Libre scene. We'll yeah. touch on it later in the AEW segment slightly. I'll, I'll make sure to bring up this one point regarding <laughs> it. But AAA is generally seen as the, the good money bet yeah. for companies and, yeah. for, you know, um, sponsors, things like that right now. CMLL's, yep. you know, almost passe in a way. Well, and, and their, their branding is really off in, in another respect too. I, uh, in, in my personal life, I ran into a gentleman who moved up here from Mexico City. And when I mentioned that I did a Lucha podcast, he, he started talking to me very excitedly about Lucha Libre. And, but he referred to, uh, to, uh, AAA as the premier promotion. Mm-hmm. And he thought that CMLL was the was the young up and coming promotion instead. Wow. So, that's that, yeah, so, you know that uh, perspective. I wouldn't have guessed that. Well, I mean, but that just shows you how the casuals really view it. Like yeah. AAA is on TV everywhere. They're the ones that do touring. They're the ones that I mean, you know, even though CMLL has lottery tickets and has you know has the the, the world famous arena. But it's all People. centered around Mexico City. It's not yeah, like exactly. countrywide. Yeah. Exactly. So if you're in other parts of the country, you probably only know AAA and don't really know about too much about uh, CMLL. So that's a valid, valid point. And I just thought it was interesting that you brought that up in the same week that I talked with this guy about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's um, really cool. So yeah, uh, they, it sounds like Ultimo Dragon's going to be bringing Noah wrestlers to Mexico. Uh, the the brand rebranded is now Toromon Casa. Uh, it's going to be in Mexico. He hasn't given a, lo- a a location or anything yet, but you know, as we were just talking about, it's clearly not going to be in Arena Mexico. So we'll keep our ears ears open for that. Um. So that's my my week in news. We do have quite a bit of uh indie roundup to to try and cover. There are a couple of things that I'm going to do uh later. So we're going to try and get as much of the Dallas stuff out uh, done as we can. Uh I was unable to watch the So I I'm going I'm going to start here. Uh the GCW versus the World event happened. There was I'm not going to go into a lot of results on this here because I think this is the, probably one of the, the single best products that we got. So if you haven't seen it, you need to go on Fight TV or uh, I believe they'll have it up on IWTV eventually but uh, and watch it. Uh, they, it. All the feedback I've heard from people that were there live or people who watched it uh, online as it was happening was that it was amazing and this is the kind of some really good exposure for Lucha Libre. But uh, as a result of that, I'm going to put off doing results on that show a little longer so that maybe more people will go and watch it. And then we can talk about it uh, a little, uh, maybe a, a week or two down the line. Um, in the same respect, Lucha Maniacs had a show that weekend, which was very sparsely attended. Uh, it was because it was on Saturday. So it was up against night one of uh, WrestleMania. It is uh, currently... I'm not available in the easiest format, so I'm waiting to watch it until it comes up on Mas Lucha, but I will be also covering the, the Lucha Maniac show in the future because it looks, it was kind of a legendary lineup, so I do want to cover that. Uh, 
uh, also from Dallas that weekend, we did have USA versus the world, which I did watch. So we will talk about that. Uh, that is, uh, that we had a couple of Lucha featured matches in there. The, the whole event started with a four corners match for warrior wrestling's Lucha Libre championship featuring golden dragon, La Hydra, Mr. Iguana and Sam Adonis. Uh, this is, uh, first off, Sam Adonis is, was not nearly as, um, heelish and rudo as he is in AAA in this. He was very athletic and doing a lot of his more technical moves, although he still was very much the, the rudo and, and bad guy in this, that, uh, uh the man that I love to hate. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, uh, Mr. Iguana was making his best attempt to steal the show. Yeska made her presence known early in the, in the match and was seen a lot. We did, uh, see, see her attempt to, to kiss, uh, La Hedra, which I think would have probably set the internet on fire. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> just saying, keep your eyes open. That may happen. Uh, Sam Adonis did retain his, uh, his championship in this. He, uh, he he did some heelish tactics and and wound up getting the pinfall. I'm not going to give away the ending too much. It was a spectacular, high flying event. It's four corners with but with very much a strong emphasis on lucha rules. So I thought this was a really good opener and a great exposure for lucha libre. Uh, and then later we had a trios match with Gringo Loco, Caleb with a K, Connolly, and Flip Gordon versus Aries. Arrowboy and Aramis. This was a classic trios match. Basically, you had you had uh, Flip Gordon, who uh, they mentioned on commentary is one of the few Americans who has worked in both CMLL and AAA. Sam Adonis, obviously, being another one that we could easily mention just on this show alone, but that shows his lucha education. And of course, Gringo Loco is very well lucha educated, so it was very classic. Lucha Trio's match. If you are into the, that uh, West Coast style, as we like to call it on the show, with lots of high flying, lots of topes, lots of ring uh, rope walking, this was the match for you. And it had a classic triple finish with uh, Aries, Arrowboy, and Aramis all getting either a pinfall or submission uh, on the the other team. All at the same time, so the referee had didn't even have to worry about who the legal man was. And then in the uh, in near the end of the card, I wanted to say it's the main event, but it was not quite the main event. Bandito and Extreme Tiger were in a tag team against Anthony Henry and J.D. Drake, and this was very different than the other two matches. Uh, there was a lot more. Storyline about Clash of Styles. J.D. Drake was uh, spent the first half of the match basically no selling any lucha stuff and saying I, I'm not going to do that lucha shit. And then uh, he busted out some hurricane ranas and some rope walking anyway. So uh, <laughs> you know you got it. You got a big payoff, but it had a slower build up and and a more fun pace. And uh, Bandito and Extreme Tiger did did win out on that one. Uh, also, this week, as I mentioned off air, uh, and, and I did some text for it, uh, Lucha Libre Volcanica up here in Seattle returned. They were uh, at the 
Seattle Taco Festival, uh, which was basically a, a, a neighborhood wanted to have an excuse to get a bunch of taco trucks together. And, uh, and so we had Lucha Libre, tacos, and margaritas. Uh, Sounds like had, my kind of party. Right? <laughs> there was nothing wrong with this. Everybody was super excited to be out and had a good time. There was all kinds of matches on there. Uh, because I was so excited to be there, I didn't take very good notes. Uh, but we it's did that have way sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if we you're had... in the moment, it's hard to take notes. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, and so we had a match with, uh, Donica. She's cut off all the rest of it and she's going, just going by Donica against Leo Negro. They went a lot more hardcore in that. Skewers were brought out. Chairs were done. They brawled in the crowd. Uh, really lit the crowd on fire. Uh, Leo Negro cheated to retain the championship, but, uh, I don't think anybody cared at that point because they were so amped up by the, the amazing match that was put on. And in the main event, um, Evan Extreme, who some people will from in, in deep cuts of Lucha Circles will recognize from many appearances in Arena Nal Capan, Returned to the Seattle area as part of a tag team. He, uh, didn't win, but, uh, it was, it was a, a wonderful high flying main event and I'm super happy to have seen Lucha Libre Volcanica back at it. So congratulations guys. They said that, uh, the, uh, announcement from, from the non Lucha Libre people said that they were going to have more taco truck festivals in the future, which implies more, uh, Lucha Libre in the park. So uh, next time I will do better, give better results for you. But I'm just super excited they're back and doing shows. Uh, but speaking of super excited and doing shows, Miranda, you got to go to a show that I really wanted to be at. So do you want to talk about that to the people? Uh, yes, uh, I was very excited and honored to, uh, be the ring announcer for Pro Wrestling Revolution's San Francisco show that, uh, occurred on Saturday, April 9th. Um, this was is Pro Wrestling Revolution's return to the San Francisco area. They've been primarily in San Jose since they came back last. Um, and this was such an awesome show, uh, both the crowd uh, and the actual matches. Uh, we started off with a uh, big match uh, for the Pro Wrestling Revolution Openweight Championship. Your champion, Papo Esco, defended against Ultimo Panda. Ultimo Panda, uh, you know, as, as comical as he was, a big favorite going into this match as he had quite an undefeated streak going in. But Papo Esco um, ain't no man to fuck with in the simplest words of this. Uh, and he won by pinfall, uh, successfully retaining the Openweight Championship. Uh, after that, we did have a women's tag team match. Uh, the team of Christina Von Erie and Mighty Myra faced off against Charisma and Nicole Savoy. Uh, Christina Von Erie and Charisma have had some beef previously, and that carried on into this match. Christina Von Erie, the aggressor, 
really all throughout this match and charisma um, with a great positive energy, but still fairly young compared to the experience of Christina. Um, but that was balanced out by the queen of suplexes herself, Nicole Savoy, um, as also a, a Northern Californian herself, really well received. Um, but the team of trying to remember through my notes, uh, the team of trying to remember exactly who won in this. Believe it was the team of Charisma and Nicole Savoy who won. Uh, I'll have to double check on my notes of that. But um, this in and of itself was a, again, very entertaining match. Um, and it really highlighted, again, the aggression uh of christina von erie um as well as really this up and coming start with charisma as well as um really the beautiful suplexes of nicole savoy uh up next we had uh men's tag team match uh the team of colt Stevens, who's one half of the Pro Wrestling Revolution Tag Team Champions, uh, teamed up with Vinny Massaro to take on El Primo Genio and Zuka. Uh, this one, of course, anytime you see Colt Stevens uh, and anyone from the Border Patrol, you will always find their Rudo ref, Sparky Ballard, in a play. <laughs> um, yeah, that's usually the story in their matches. Yes. Yes, and so uh, if you do not know a Sparky Ballard, it is the uh, referee of choice for the Border Patrol. Um, and that uh, ended up working in the favor of Colt Stevens and Vinny Massaro, who did win this match. Uh, after that, we had a, a triple threat match for the Pro Wrestling Revolution Junior Heavyweight Championship. Super Astro defended his belt against Valquero Fantasma and Diablo Azteca. Uh, this was a fairly quick match, um, with Super Astro though. You know, in, in, uh, a triple threat rules, um, you only need to pin or submit one of your opponents. But Super Astro Jr., uh, because of the champion that he is, wanted to beat both of his opponents. Uh, so he ended up pinning Diablo Azteca. But also after that made the referee, uh, count a, a count, not a count out, uh, uh, he ended up applying a submission on Vaquero Fantasma and made the referee, uh, enter the submission as well. So, uh, not a, a fighting champion that Super Astro is, uh, not good enough for him to beat one of his competitors. He needed to beat both of them, um, retaining the junior heavyweight championship. After that, we get into some really fun matches. We had a special attraction ma match. Rocky Azuka Romero faced off against Mysterioso. Uh, Rocky Romero, not necessarily a big fan of the San Francisco crowd. Uh, Mysterioso coming in um, as really a well-received and well-loved luchador. Uh, this one, Mysterioso is the type of wrestler where he has incredible strength um, and speed. So he's agile, but incredibly strong. And Rocky Romero is just entertaining as all hell. Um, one of the highlights of the entire night, uh, Mysterioso won this match uh, by pinfall. Uh, after that, we had Jacob Batu 
facing J.R. Kratos, who is your Pro Wrestling Revolution heavyweight champion. This one, again, I mean, you had the, the referee of choice for the Border Patrol, Sparky Ballard, in there. And uh, that ended up influencing the match quite a few times, though Jacob Fatu, gosh, this was just an amazingly fun match. So entertaining, both big men who are really agile, strong, who have speed. Uh, the crowd were on their feet for a almost three count uh, for Jacob Fatu. I mean, it was electric in this match. Um, but... Kratos won retaining um, his championship. And then for your main event, a three-way tag team match, you had uh, the team of Bestia666 and Ray Uros versus the Los Hermanos Lee, Dragon Lee, uh, as well as oh, uh, Dralistico. And uh, also... Uh, Announcement made just a few days before the show, Lince Dorado was able to attend and he teamed up with Viento. Uh, and this match was all over the place. Not only just a trios match, but a tag team trios match with Lucha Rules. Everyone flying everywhere. Um, the team of those Los Hermanos Lee won, Dragon Lee and Dralistico won, but mad respect between all of the competitors in this match. Um, Really great energy, great high-flying really throughout the entire match. It, it was just something where you really had to keep moving your head all around because there was action in the ring, out the ring. Um, and it was, I, I mean, it, it's, you just have to see that. And Pro Wrestling Revolution posted an amazing picture of that match in and of itself, both during and after the match. Um, and it, it was absolutely the highlight of the entire night. So uh, a great event by Pro Wrestling Revolution in San Francisco. I mean, you have some of the biggest Lucha Libre stars in this world, it's just some of the biggest wrestlers in the world on this card. So it's something that I always recommend people check out if they're able to. Uh, Pro Wrestling Revolution puts on such an amazing show. And where else can you say you saw the likes of Los Hermanos Lee, uh, Jacob Fatu, Rocky Romero, Lince Dorado, uh, and, and, uh, Super Astro Jr., uh, and that and, and so much more. Um, Pro Wrestling Revolution returns to Santa Rosa on July 30th. And they've already announced one Taya Valkyrie on their show. Keep that name in your head because that is not the last time you're going to hear her on this show uh, because she is all over the place. Um, Long time well, listeners of the show will know we will talk about her anyway. So. Yes. Uh, as well as Pagano is going to be making his debut for Pro Wrestling Revolution on July 30th. So uh, make sure to uh, check out Pro Wrestling Revolution on social media. Tickets are available. Um, it's going to be at the Santa Rosa Veterans Memorial Center on Saturday, July 30th. And it is truly a Lucha Libre mega showcase. Um, and if you if if the San Francisco shows any indication of that, you're going to see big things in Santa Rosa. Uh, and that is, well, my report of Pro Wrestling Revolution for all of you. Uh, thank you, Brendan, for 
this week in the news as well as the Indie Roundup. We are going to kick it off to Denise Salcedo, who brings us this week's Alucha Central Central. Why should you visit TheChairShot.com? TheChairShot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Hey everyone, it's Denise Salcedo here in Lucha Central Central with a reminder of where and when to catch all of the great network content this week. Get the full lineup and listen to all of our shows in the podcast network section of LuchaCentral.com. On Tuesdays, Math, Mats, and Mayhem takes you inside the world of Lucha Underground as they take you weekly through the series with the benefit of hindsight and the benefit of special guests from the groundbreaking series. Check out the premiere video stream every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Lucha Central YouTube channel and at LuchaCentral.com. Then listen to it on your favorite podcast platform every Wednesday. Tuesday nights live is WrestleBoss, where Fabi Chulo talks MMA and pro wrestling with special guests and listener Collins. Visit WrestleBossLive.com Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. Pacific to listen live or call in with questions or download the show on podcast platforms on Wednesdays. Wednesday nights live on Facebook, it's Spanish show La Mesa de los Margaros, giving you both the news and the cheese made from around the lucha world. Special guests and a whole lot of fun make it one of the most talked about shows in Mexico. Thursdays, it's straight out of the bodega with Papo Esco and PWR promoter Gabriel Ramirez as they have guests from throughout the wrestling world pull up to give an inside look into their careers. From indie standouts to television superstars, each week brings a new name and perspective. On Friday, it's your double dose of Lucha Central Weekly podcast. One in English y el otro en español. Lucha Central Weekly is where you'll find all the top stories of the week, both inside and out of the ring from Mexico and anywhere luchadores are in action across the globe. Be sure to subscribe and follow all your favorite Lucha Central Network series on your favorite podcast platforms, either by their own series name or subscribe to the Lucha Central Podcast Network show pages to get all of the shows in one easy feed. And please consider giving a rating to help more fans find the shows that you love. For now, this is Denise Salcedo signing off from Lucha Central Central. Have a great week. Lucha-Masks.com by Pro Wrestling Revolution. Bringing you in partnership with Mask Republic, the Lucha Brothers, as well as Japanese legend Ultimo Dragon. Go to Lucha-Masks.com and fight Lucha Strong with masks from your favorite Lucha Legends and Pro Wrestling Revolution Luchadores. Stay safe in style and represent your favorite Luchador. Get yours now at Lucha-Masks.com, powered by Pro Wrestling Revolution. A big thank you to Denise Alcedo bringing us this week's Lucha Central Central, letting you know what's happening throughout the Lucha Central Podcast Network. Up next, you know, is the news. We're going to be rolling through what's happening in the world of Lucha Libre. We are going to be starting off with AAA. So, Dusty, go ahead and take it away. Yeah, AAA. We didn't have a whole lot of big news, but first up, we have the results from the WrestleCon weekend show in Dallas. And the mixed tag match, we saw the natural classics, Tomei Phillip and Stevie Phillip, defeat Ryan Kidd and Christy Janes. Next up, we had a six-man mixed tag team lumberjack strap match. 
Nino Ambergesa, Microman, and Taya defeated Rey Scorpion, Minia Basimo Negro, and La Hidra. That was a big match. Microman, of course, popular as ever. Then we had the NWA World Tag Team Championship match. La Rebellion, the team of Bestia666 and Mecha Wolf, defeated Aerostar and Drago. Then we had another trios match. Otermis, Mr. Iguana, and Octagon Jr. defeated Aris, Fabi Apache, and Abismo Negro Jr. Mr. Iguana got the pin on Abismo Negro Jr. in that match. Very cool to see him get the win. Next up, we had a trios match. No DQ match. Jack Cartwheel, Drago Kid, and Pagano defeated La Empresa at Sam Adonis, Puma King, and Gringo Loco for that team. Triple threat match for the AAA Cruiserweight Championship. Laredo Kid defeated Bandito and Flamita to retain. Then we had the main event, a singles match. Psycho Clown defeated Taurus. After the match, Jeff Jarrett came out. Karen Jarrett came out. La Empresa came back out, and they all attacked Psycho Clown. I'm not big Yay. on Jeff Jarrett and AAA, but... <laughs> yeah, I'll take yeah. Jeff Jarrett if he's beating up Psycho Clown. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Okay. Well, that's just how it is sometimes, you know? Well, and, I mean, in fairness, he also has been one of the most over Rudos in AAA in recent Oh, months, yeah. So. And as soon as he left WWE, you knew he was going to go to AAA. Like, <laughs> that's like, he loves it down there, and they love to have him. But, yeah, Jeff Jarrett, he's back. Mega heel, mega Rudo. But also coming up next weekend, Saturday, April the 30th, we have Triple Mania 30, Chapter 1 being held at the Estadio de Baseball Monterrey in Monterrey. And as a refresher, here's the very exciting card. First up, we have a Marvel match, followed by the Triple Copa Mania, or Copa Triple Mania, there we go, which is a lum- lumberjack strap match this year. Then we have the match I'm most excited for, Pentagon versus Ultimo Dragon in the quarterfinals for the Roleta de la Muerta very exciting. Next up, we have the mixed tag team triple threat between Lady Maravilla and Latigo versus Octagon and the all-new Sexy Star and the AEW team of Sammy Guevara and Tay Conti. There's a big AEW presence at this Triple Mania, and, you know, we'll get to that kind of a little bit later, talking about alliances. Cool thing, kind of, but interesting, too. L.A. Park. Versus Viano uh, 4 in the quarterfinal, Ruleta de la Muerta. And then we have a tag team three-way match between Dragon Lee and Trilistico versus Johnny Superstar and Taurus versus Laredo Kid and a Luchador Sapresa. And it's rumored to be Alberto El Patron. Make of that what you will. I will offer no commentary. But the 2000s called. Yeah. Jeff Jarrett and Al Patron, El Patron are, are the main Rudos. Yeah, it's like <laughs> 10 or 12 years ago, all over again. And next up, we have Blue Demon Jr. versus Rayo de Jalisco Jr. in the quarterfinal of the Roleta de la Muerta. Then we have a trios match. Very interesting teams in this match. Bendito, Pagano, and Taya versus Andrade, Cybernetico, and Diana Parazzo. So we get that. Taya Diana interaction. We'll touch on that a little later in the show too. Big things that's going to come from that match, I expect. 
then we have Kanek versus Psycho Clown in the quarterfinal, Ruleta de la Muerta. And in the main event, a tag team match between Phoenix and Io del Vikingo and the Young Bucks, Matt and Nick Jackson. A lot of big matches on that card. Big, strong night for the first of three Triple Mania shows. Again, that's Saturday, April 30th. It's on Fight. I can't remember how much it is, and I didn't have that in my notes, but I highly recommend everybody check it out. English commentary for AAA is better than it's been in a long time. We'll see if they kind of stick with that and maintain that consistency instead of the kind of wild excitement that we got with Matt Stryker and Vampiro. But we'll see. A lot of exciting stuff for AAA right now. And again, Triple Mania 30, Chapter 1, next weekend in Monterey, April the 30th. Don't miss it. Very exciting. Cannot wait. I know. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, we'll get into it, but definitely a new chapter, and we'll see how things um, at Triple Mania trickle down and out um, to – other events, other promotions. So Triple um, A is still making big overtures to wanting to be big in the United States. So I think uh, I think that we're going to see a lot of big things right out of this first, uh, right out of the gate with this. Especially considering how easy it is for Americans to get to to that particular show. So. Yeah. Well, and the second night of Triple Mania is going to be in Tijuana. So for people like in the San Diego area, Southern California, oh, yeah. even very easy to get there. Yeah, yeah. So it's going to be. Yeah, you can you can literally. This is the experience a friend of mine had, and uh, I wanted to do this with him sometime. You can literally just grab a taxi on the San Diego side and say, "I need to go to Lucha Libre," and they'll just take you to the arena. Like that's, that's so how cool. <laughs> so. Mm-hmm. Jealous. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Dusty, for catching us up on AAA. Uh, up next, this is a big one AEW. Uh, lots to talk about in AEW news. Oh my gosh, so much AEW news. First up, Jack Evans announced on Twitter that his contract is not being renewed with AEW. In the Twitter posting, he said that he added little to the roster, that they really gained nothing by having Jack Evans. So he understood why he wasn't being picked up for an extension. It was kind of sad, honestly, like the, yeah, just the way he saw himself and the reality of the situation. The, Jack Evans, like, oh, he was so good at one time and, and, at one time, he's one of the most impressive wrestlers ever, but now you have 50 guys in AEW who can do the same stuff he can do. And after he got blown up in the ring that time with Kenny Omega, this fate was kind of sealed. Um, the unspoken implication in all of this was that Angelico had been retained, even though Jack Evans had been let go. So disappointing for Jack Evans, but... You know, for those of us that like that Angelico style, that Yave yeah. style, like, very exciting. Excited to check that out. We'll see what happens with him, especially with the singles push. It could be interesting. They were shackled with being a tag, not only a tag team, but the, the Hardy family office and everything. And they admitted they were just weren't good at pushing stories for themselves. They were content to just do whatever. And that didn't serve them well in AEW where you have to speak up and be kind of aggressive and 
inventive with your ideas. Yeah. Next, yeah, I, I mean, that's I, the story. I mean, that's the story, and I get how it played out, but I mean, just to hear that you have Jack Evans and that nobody knew how to, how to really do anything with him, including himself in that roster, like, that tells me that something is rotten going on with the thought process there, because you have a guy who's legitimate history, a trailblazer for the style. Sure, you've got a lot of young guys that can do what he's doing, but that should have been, that could have been the story right there. Have him wrestle those guys a couple of yeah. times. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, like, I mean, it, and that was five seconds of thought. So, yeah. what the heck? And we'll touch uh, on this later, but they, they had a place where they really could have used him yeah. in a training capacity if they're going to do their own developmental and like, who better than Jack Evans in the spot like that? Teach these young guys this is safe, that's not safe, here's how to do that. Tuck your chin when you twist. All this stuff, like Jack Evans would see it. And it's disappointing that they couldn't find a place for him in that context, if nothing else. Yeah. I mean, to your point about just not hurting yourself. So unfortunately, Jack Evans' career has largely been marred by the fact that he's done crazy things and hurt himself. Yeah, that's so, just it. He knows what the <laughs> limits are. And yeah. for somebody like Darby Allen to have Jack Evans as like right? a producer and stunt coordinator, that would have been fantastic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or, or I mean, or or any of the young high flying teams they've got, uh, Private yeah. Party or uh, the uh, whatever Airwolf's team is calling themselves these days, and uh, yeah, the 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 Martins. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Uh, sorry, I keep going. <laughs> We've got no. a lot to cover. Yeah. It, well, it, it's all got a similar theme. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Next up, we had at Battle of the Belts, Thunder Rosa defeated Nyla Rose in a match that seemed to matter very little to anyone. AEW has a real problem building women that aren't Britt Baker, and Thunder Rosa just kind of feels like an afterthought as a champion. We were so excited and given so much reason to be behind her on her climb to the championship, but they've given us very little reason at all to care about her as champion. And then after all the racial stuff and the build with Vicky Guerrero, the Texas thing that was built into it, they have Battle of the Belts too in Texas. Vicky doesn't show up. Yeah. So weird. That there was doesn't only- help either, yes. but. Not at all. I mean, like, she should have got her come up and some Vicky. Like, Vicky said more than Nyla did, truly. Yeah. Well, and yeah. that's, that's, that's to my point. The, the biggest issue with this was Nyla Rose is the first one out of the gate. Like, they, she's had such, so much stop and start, too. Like, she's supposed to be the beast. She's supposed to be the monster that, like, we don't, to this day, we're supposed to, we're, we should be wondering why she's not still the champion. But because they can't, you do anything with her to make her feel important or significant, partly because of backstage reasons that I, I'm not going to go into. But there's other things, other choices that are going on revolving around her. Uh, you know, you the, she just that's the worst choice for your first feud for a new champion is somebody that they can't get to feel more important. 
Well, and it's like, so formulaic. Like everybody, yeah. aside from Nyla, has faced Nyla, and their first yeah. challenge is champion. Yeah, yeah. Like, she's just the the. It first feels very boss. formulaic, and it just doesn't. One, it doesn't do anything for Nyla when she keeps losing these opportunities, right. and two, when you just kind of create this. Oh, this is the first challenger. Copy yep. and paste. It doesn't make it feel unique. Unless that becomes Nyla's gimmick. Where she changes her name to being the gatekeeper, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, because you can do things with that. You can always have that. You can have that, you know, and, and maybe it's always Nyla cuts her way in line to get first the first opportunity and comes up short until she wins it for real. Like, we, there will be the time where she does this and she'll win the, the title back and we'll all be shocked, but. This wasn't it, and uh, and we knew it wasn't it because the build for Rosa had been so long. We knew she wasn't going to lose on her first defense no matter who it was. They built the chase for the championship for literally a year. They yeah. built her first like contention, you know, first contender championship match against Nyla Rose. It got three minutes of TV time, three minutes for the entire build, for yeah. the entire build, three minutes. So now there's a little bit, unfortunately – of uh chicken and egg with that because uh, they also are looking at the ratings and the ratings drop when the women are on TV. So is they're they're give they want to still give them time. But, but also then then that that's something that they just need to work on internally to say how do we, yeah. how do we get people right? to to care. To I, care. I think it's because that is again a sign of one of their weaker attributes is Absolutely. the lack but, of of build up and storytelling in the women's division. Well, this is why I say it's a chicken and egg thing though because now it becomes the, just a, a a bunch of excuses all the way around. Well, ratings aren't good so we're going to give them less time. Less time means they don't have enough time to do what to get over. So now you just it becomes the cycle, right? Like Exactly. Know. And they're going to have to make the investment in the women's roster and in storytelling for the women's roster. Well, they're able to do it. Look at some of the stories. Look what they did with Britt Baker and then Rosa and Britt Baker. Right. That was some of the finest storytelling AEW's ever done. It was the first St. Patrick's Day Slam. There wasn't even a championship involved. That was just like a a blood feud. It was mm-hmm. crazy. It's and, so good. And ratings did not drop for that segment. No, to, people to, loved it. To counter that, that I mean, I'm not trying to say that. Yeah, uh, people absolutely loved it. So they showed that when they invest well in it, they can do it. So I don't know who's doing who's doing the women's division right now because Kenny Omega would have been my guest, but he's on leave. So yeah. whoever they've got working with the women right now, to, as far as giving them story and 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 motivating them to to elevate their game, does not seem to be. Uh, well, they've never done it good top to bottom to Miranda's point earlier. Right. It's something we've yeah. all said. It's only been that they're 1%. Like they, Britt Baker's, your, your Thunder Rosa's, Nyla in her first six months. Yeah. Like, you know, um, they, they didn't, they haven't done anything with the rest of that roster. And they've got such a talented women's division. Oh, and getting more talented every day. Somebody like yep. Penelope Ford, who's moved leaps and bounds compared to where she started and would be a a serious contender for the championship. But I don't think they'll ever give it the time or the build that it needs. You know, Anna Jay would be a cool story. You have, uh, excuse me, Ty Conti that figures into it 
And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. the, the whole thing, there's a lot of stories there that they could tell, but I just don't see them investing the time and the TV time and those stories to, to tell them. But they have the similar problem, not only with the women's roster, but with the Lucha roster. I don't want to dwell on it too long, but something I've noticed, Alex Abrahantes, I love Alex, so cool, that suit's got to go. It just <laughs> feels cheesy. It does, right? It's yeah. like... Yeah, it's like a Spinguli thing or something. Yes. I mean, it doesn't feel legitimate in any way. It's like a joke. And yeah, I just, we'll, we'll, we'll touch more on the, the misuse of luchadors, but I wanted to mention that. I've noticed it several times. Wanted to touch on that. The suit, it's not good. It's emblematic, like, of the lack of depth within the lucha roster. If it's not the actual lucha bros as a tag team, they don't seem to know what to do. And speaking of, we had Darby defeating Andrade in a casket match. This wasn't actually a match. It was just a series of pretty cool spots rather than a cohesive match. But that worked for me. There was a viral spot where the man in the crowd behind the Sting mask was indeed Sting. That You know, that's his favorite thing. He got to do it in AW. I, I like that they, they didn't. They didn't mention that, even though Tony Schiavone was right there, who called yeah. it the last time I saw it. <laughs> yeah, it was just, just straight. And they, yeah, they didn't make as big of a deal out of it as you'd think. Like, they just kind of, <laughs> oh, there's Sting? You know what I mean? Like, there yeah. he is. And I hope this is the end of the feud for Andrade. As much as I enjoyed it, it just feels directionless at this point. And moving on to something new would be in the best interest of both Darby and Andrade. Mm -hmm. And to that effect, it was announced that the Forbidden Door had been opened and New Japan and AEW would be doing a super show together in Chicago called The Forbidden Door on June 26th. And immediately afterwards on Twitter, Andrade teased us with a photo of him, Naito, and Roosh, and mentioned that they were the original V1 Los Ingobernables. So cool. Of course, they were with CMLL then. That's what makes all this interesting. We kind of touched on this earlier. CMLL used to have enough stroke with whoever they partnered with that they could keep, like Ring of Honor, for instance, they could keep AAA workers from working with that company. But now New Japan works with AEW. AEW works with AAA. New Japan works with CMLL. I'm sure they can make sure New Japan workers and AAA workers don't interact Maybe, but it's a sign of how far their star has fallen and how little stroke they have because this would have never happened five years ago. I mean, it seems crazy, but they had that much pull that they could have made sure the AEW did not align with AAA because of the New Japan connection. And just a a big sign of where cmll is at the moment like politically financially socially and and we touched on this a lot of misuse of the luchadors in AEW, and now that AEW has bought ring of honor of course roosh was tied to ring of honor naito new japan andrade's in AEW now there is a chance we could see this trio's team but in that, they we have to mention, like I said, they misuse pretty much all the luchadors. 
Andrade never felt like a big deal. He finally started to feel like a big deal, and he loses the casket match to Darby. Mm-hmm. Darby mm-hmm. didn't need to win the casket match. I mean, like, it would have made Andrade look amazing to have won. And I'm just yeah, so disappointed in it that It would have positioned him great. I was... I literally walked away from the the computer I was watching on in disgust seeing the end of that match because yeah it did it, first off it was overworked there were too many weird elements to it but second it didn't like to your point it didn't do anything it didn't it didn't elevate Darby in any way it didn't no really it didn't add elevate anybody Jose and, maybe a little bit when Jose yeah. took his shirt off and was ripped I mean we knew he was ripped we'd seen him before you know lucha fan but like the crowd they went nuts Jose maybe but only the assistant nobody else the, got over that wasn't the point of this match we weren't not trying at all. To, they're not yeah. gonna Using do an angle with Jose in the upper mid card or the no. lower main card, so which is where this match was positioned at. Like, yeah, that nothing, nothing good came out of it. Was and and yeah, the we've talked about it over and over again on the this show. AEW has a problem with start and stop, finish, start and shot pushes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were talking about that with the women's division. I mean, I alluded to it. Nyla has that problem for sure. Thunder Rosa looks like she might be in the middle of one here. I mean, it's almost worse than the WWE three-week push because it gives you more hope. But right. <laughs> well, we've been conditioned towards hope. In the beginning, we got a lot of positive storyline. I mean, think yeah. about the Lucha Bros versus Young Bucks and some yeah. of those matches. I mean, like... Damn, I mean, those were incredible. And, but that's not the, the lucha booking that we see outside of the lucha bros Mm -hmm. in AEW. Literally everybody else is treated as an afterthought. Fuego del Sol's, uh, little, little hot runs. Yeah. 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 That's a good way of describing it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it is. Like, yeah, he'll occasionally get real hot. Somebody will beat him for big heat and. Yep. Then he'll make another run up and somebody'll yeah. beat him for here. And that's a good spot to be in. If that's the, the spot you're happy with, not everybody needs to be world champion. Not everybody needs to I mean like think about it musically. Yeah. Not every band is going to be the Beatles. Yeah. And, you know, it's just just how it is. And so that's a great spot for Fuego, but Lucha at large and their use of, I mean like well, again, I, we're back to Jack Evans and and Angelico, right? Mm-hmm. They just like to say to just sit there and say you have no idea what to do with them is criminal. Like even if they're going to be happy with the role that they're in, you need to be thinking what can we do to make our product better? And you've got those two guys in particular. Well, and, and I feel like this is always going to be the case now that the wrestling scene evolves and changes so quickly that AEW may feel compelled to instead of investing time in people just pick up the next person and see you know what sticks to the wall with them and if they don't get over quickly they just kind of then move on to the next person um and I don't know if that is gonna that it just feels like right now that's inherently the mentality because of how you know things yeah. evolve and change so fast paced but i i 
disagree with that as a strategy because the fans are going to get jaded to it real quick. No, yeah, exactly. Like, that's not a sustainable strategy. I feel like that creates a lot of these pops, you know, and these moments. But in the long term, if you just keep churning and burning through people, then you're not really creating a roster. Um, You're just going with whoever's hot in the moment. And eventually it's going to to wear out you're not going to have anybody new and big to sign you're going to have to really create your own talent and grow them and or you're going to burn through people like jack evans where you know maybe they'll circle back around but maybe not you've already invested time and money and already decided and the same thing for maybe the the wrestlers Maybe they, when their contracts expire, if they do have an opportunity to come back, maybe they may not want to come back. I, I mean, yeah, and we're already – so as I was perusing through Twitter today and I, I was indulging with a, a, a uh, rumor mill poster, so this is totally rumor stuff, but it's because – this this person is really good at pulling viable rumors that that uh, have that touch of believability to it. He said Jeff Hardy already wants to get out because he's tired of being uh how he's already been moved over to dark and being put in uh like random ten man matches right. Yeah, well, well last, you know <laughs> this week on Dynamite, all he got to do was come out and do the delete sign after Andrade lost. Yeah, I mean like how do you not have a a big spot at least a an interview, something for Jeff Hardy, like, and he's their current shiny new toy. He was the yeah. last big, big gift they got. So, yeah, I don't know. It, uh, and it's worse for Luchadors. We 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 have uh, not even mentioned the fact that they now own the ROH brand. Yeah, <laughs> and that's where they get to that. Jack Evans is the trainer. <laughs> that's what I was alluding to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. ROH, like he was the Malibu's most wanted guy. Like that. That's all based on Jack Evans. Like he did it first. And yeah, yeah, for real. No, I, you, you were alluding to it, but I figured at this point we need to say it out loud. Yeah, got two products, one of which has has recently had a really good reputation for treating luchadors with a tremendous amount of respect. And it, as we will talk about later, that that necessarily isn't true either. So, yeah. I would, do you want to take the? Uh, are we going there now? We can yeah. Let's it? go now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah okay. I was say. Let's do Ring of Honor. Brendan's <laughs> gonna bring us some Ring of Honor. Yes. So, so forward uh, until Ring of Honor starts having its own shows, we're just gonna roll it in with AEW. Because that's it's a Tony Khan product, and they it's very obvious from from the stuff we had. Uh, the da, during Dallas we had a few lucha related matches. Uh, first off, uh, earlier in the night you had FTR to, in a title versus title match against the Briscoes. So they put the the AAA tag team titles up uh, against the Briscoes, but we all knew. Uh, we knew what way the wind was blowing on that. It was a great yeah. match. Fantastic. Yeah, one of match. the best tag team matches I've ever seen. But then Dude. they, they ruined the moment by having the Young Bucks step in. Like they yeah. could have done, they could have done that whole angle on Wednesday instead. Uh, but they didn't. So, I mean, again, we're, we're kind of showing where they're at, but, uh, it did set up that FTR seems to be going a little more Technico or Face, however you want to call it on this show, they're yes. going to 
Yeah. And they, they've shed Tully <laughs> as their manager, and it looks like they might be picking up Bret Hart. And, yeah, big, exciting face turn for FTR. Uh, while still holding the, the AAA championship. So, but, uh, you know, they're probably going to be Rudo when they go down to Mexico to defend those. So it'll be interesting to see, but I, I, uh, I don't anticipate that we're going to have a Vicky Guerrero with them down there as a result of all of this. So interesting, yeah. but yeah, absolutely yeah, definitely match of the night and it hurt. The other match that I have to, that the, the other Lucha match tremendously that it had to follow the, this Briscoe's FTR match because, uh, uh, the crowd was exhausted by the time we got to Bandito and Gresham for unifying the ROH titles. So for those of you who don't remember, Bandito was unable to defend the title. I believe it was for COVID reasons. So they had at the last, at the ROH final battle, they had uh Gresham and Jay Lethal, I believe, wrestling for the uh for the original ROH championship. It's been so long I forgot who he wrestled against. And Gresham won that and this was about unifying the two titles. And again, I knew going into it, I even said it on the air the the week before, like we're we're not gonna see a Bandito win on this. Like the you know, Bandito's too busy to be an AEW guy right now, and they, they're they going to put that belt on somebody that's going to work AEW. So sure enough, uh, I mean, it was a good match, but it was, it was, for me, it was brought down by two major things. I was exhausted after that FTR Briscoe's match, and mm-hmm. it was, I, I could predict, I had predicted what was going to happen with it, and, and that just goes further into the treatment of the luchadors. They didn't really, at any point make me feel like Bandito had an actual, I never felt like there was a real chance he was going to win in this. And uh, Gresham kind of controlled the action for a lot of it, which really built on that. So, um, I don't, uh, again, the Tony Khan now has this second product. They're not doing much with it. They don't have any pay-per-view scheduled. We don't still don't know what's happening with their TV. So I don't know if they're building a second roster. We don't, maybe that's why they're not thinking about Jack Evans as a trainer for ROH because they don't know what they're doing with the brand. If we're lucky, they'll bring him back for that. You know, they'll be like, Hey, we got some stuff for you that you can do in ROH. And, uh, you know, and Helico in the pure division sounds just like, Oh a joy, but but we're not there yet. We're we're still and and because of the way that they're that luchadors in particular are being handled over on AEW, I am avoiding getting myself too excited over these these ideas and concepts. But um, we have seen, as I recall, and you can back me up on this one. Uh, we've seen Gresham now on AEW TV a, a few times, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, and he's he was signed as All Elite, not like Ring of Honor. He was signed yeah. All Elite. Well, I, yeah, I saw the logo and I saw the announcement, but I didn't remember for sure if he'd actually been on TV. I don't have enough time in my life to watch all of this stuff, so <laughs> that's what we do here, folks. We divide and conquer. Dusty gets to watch AEW. I watch. Yeah. The- I watch a crap ton of indies and I love it. <laughs> There's no way you could watch it all. There's just too much wrestling. Yeah, it's too much. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. 
yeah, and, and it's a fair point where, you know, a lot of that AEW booking is going to trickle down to Ring of Honor, um, whether it is the shiny new toy syndrome or um, a focus again. I mean, we talked Dusty too about the Forbidden Door, uh, you know, super show that's happening. You know, there is that leniency towards um, a strong style in, in Japanese wrestling. Um, it was very apparent with Tony as soon as they started the partnership with New Japan. Um, even though they have attempted partnerships with, uh, you know, or maybe not full partnerships, but just cross promotion with the NWA, with Impact, with somewhat AAA. Um, none, none of those are quite as fully invested as they are with New Japan. It feels like they are all in with New Japan more than anybody else. And they're somewhat friendly with some of these other uh, organizations, but that focus is New Japan. And Absolutely. that is going to be very predominant in how they book and who they book. So even though they may have a respect for Lucha Libre, and that is being very apparent with you know what the Lucha Bros have done in their time in AEW. Um, and But I, I do think that that's not a priority for the company. No, it doesn't seem to be. But also, it doesn't seem to be a priority for the company to do booking for two-thirds of their card. Like, they do really good with the upper half of, of AEW, mm-hmm. but they don't do very well at all with the, yeah. you know. And you need that hot opener. You yes. need that undercard stuff to work, right? Without yeah. without uh, Macho Man and Steamboat, at, at a WrestleMania, you don't have Hulk Hogan and Andre, mm-hmm. right? Like it just yeah, because yeah. <laughs> it whips you into a frenzy for the main event. Yeah, yeah, you need that to kind of get you excited and whet your appetite and get you, you know, excited for it. Well. More to come over the next few weeks with now Ring of Honor being part of this AEW umbrella. We will continue to talk about it as news becomes available. Indeed. Up next, we have Major League Wrestling. Some stuff to catch up on in MLW. We're going to first talk about the news that came out. It was reported on Lucha Blog as well as the Wrestling Observer of some behind-the-stage uh, moments, essentially an incident that happened, uh, I believe it was the night before the Azteca Underground taping in Dallas. Uh, MLW had a show uh, the Thursday night before um, the Azteca Underground taping uh, regarding Los Parks, uh, L.A. Park, as well as Ehold at L.A. Park and L.A. Park Jr. in some kind of Scene gone wrong, essentially, uh, with Hammerstone and Jacob Fatu. It was reported that Los Parks were involved in a, uh, attack with Jacob Fatu, uh, that was help built to help build, uh, their program that was going to be, uh, a match, uh, at Azteca Underground, uh, the day after. Um, there was some miscommunication of cues, apparently. Um, uh, to the point where, uh, 
Los Parks may have missed a cue and were fighting with Jacob Fatu after he had his match with Hammerstone. Uh, the action wasn't necessarily going as planned. Um, they were trying to get the Los Parks in the back, but that wasn't necessarily happening. And, uh, they ended up attacking Hammerstone as well uh, as Jacob Fatu. That attack ended up going off script a little uh, out of uh, what was planned, uh, very aggressively attacking both Fatu and Hammerstone. Hammerstone got a pretty nasty chair shot to the back of the head uh, cut open that did require um, some kind of closing. I think they were able to, to, um, get him good to go. But, uh, Dusty and Brendan, you guys both saw the raw footage of the attack. Uh, and I say attack because it was really a, a big brawl, um, that yeah. kind of went astray. Kind of describe what that video looked like. Cause I have not seen the video in particular. I've just read and heard of the reports. Um, so what did it visually look like? It kind go of ahead, looked Dustin. like a bar fight. I mean, yeah. like they, yeah. one, one park brother would hold Fatu. While the other one, you know, hit him, kicked him, unprotected punches to the head and face. I mean, they, they really went for it. And what a couple of psychos, because two guys you don't want to pick a fight with are Fatu and Alex Hammerstone. Like, why would you? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if you were going to pick any two guys, don't pick those two. But I digress. It, it was very violent and bizarre, and, and you could tell within seconds that it wasn't planned that there was nothing staged or you know pre-planned about it it was i mean sloppier than you see in most wrestling shows but it made it look very real that's how you could tell it was yeah it just the sounds that you could hear in the video that connected were insane and yeah it's easy to see why they have been removed based on the video yeah, so if you know what to look for, you can actually see a moment where it probably goes from, uh, using business terms, from work to shoot. You can see where it, it got just a little too physical. And, and, uh, I mean, this is a thing that uh, the parks are known for. They, they've, uh, when they were up here at Defy, they had a similar issue where they kind of really pushed that line and some people, think that that makes them more entertaining other people think that just makes them too much and uh clearly they crossed over to the line and too much here if we've had actual injuries to hammerstone like you should never be doing that and that um and as dusty mentioned you could see just raw brutal shots that were you know like Beyond, beyond real. Like they just, you could tell that they were, there was violent intent going on with, with some of those shots and, uh. Yeah, like a rage behind it. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know if it's the, they, they were thinking that, uh, if they were upset about something else and they were lost in that moment or if, uh, you know, maybe they just, they always work the, the just a little too close to the edge and they just, uh, didn't find the right place to pull back this time or what but it was uh there's no question in my mind that it was absolutely the right call to to remove them from the scene uh yeah. in the raw footage you can see they actually when they start to fight to backstage as you were talking about miranda you can see a producer come out i think it's court but i can't i didn't get a good look trying to break them up so like that makes it obvious to me 
yeah, frantically, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. you can tell from the look on his face, like, he's, he's ready to shit himself, like, he just can't control the situation, and and nobody's that good of an actor. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and as you guys, uh, uh, mentioned so in result of that fight all three of those parks were uh let go by mlw immediately afterwards um la park senior was set to fight against jacob fatu um at the azteca underground show the next day he was replaced by bestia 666 in that match instead um and so that is something that uh will be very interesting to see how they uh modify in uh tapings or in post with that but with the result of that fight um all three of Lowell's parks are out of mlw and understandably so, uh, when something that gets that out of hand, uh, there was also some added uh, way to that, uh, information about how Los Parks handled themselves afterwards, where they kind of dug their heels in to, you know, their justifications for the fight. Um, possibly there may or may have not been some, uh, alluding to the fact that they didn't know English and why that wasn't, who knows? Um, that is just some of the information that is going around regarding, uh, what happened after the fight. And again, probably uh, another reason to why MLW made the decision to let go of all three parks after that incident. With that though, we're going to pivot to this week. Well, actually, I'm going to say not this week, but last week in Major League Wrestling, uh, last week's show. We don't have one this week, actually, as far as I can tell. Uh, of course, you can watch Major League Wrestling Fusion each and every week, uh, Thursdays on MLW's YouTube channel. Um, as of right now, I do not have or see anything for this week's uh, rundown or show, uh, but I will allude to last week's Major League Wrestling episode uh, that you can see on YouTube. Uh, the opening match we had TJP versus Matt Cross. Um, which uh, commentary really played up about how well these men know each other, how much each of them have traveled the world. Uh, Matt Cross hit a star press for the win. Uh, and then on the bookend side, on the main event, you had a five-way match for the National Openweight Championship, ACH versus Puma King versus Myron Reed versus Alex Kane with a wrestler, Sorpresa, a, a surprise wrestler that turned out to be a West Coast favorite, Juicy Finale, making his major league debut, uh, major league wrestling debut, uh, someone that I have seen quite often, uh, out here on the West Coast, uh, a very big guy, uh, under the tuliage, uh, as they mentioned on, at, in commentary of Jacob Fatu himself, uh, someone who's a big dude, but also fairly agile for, um, his size. Um, this match though, for being a five way was very quick and it, it was meant to do a few things. One, to put over Juicy. Um, and I say that because shortly after this match, it was announced that Juicy was signed to Major League Wrestling. Um, two, it introduced a mystery character that attacked Myron Reed towards the end of the match. And three, of course, 
giving Alex Kane a clean win. Puma King, unfortunately, was the uh, person who ended up uh, getting pinned, uh, taking the pin on this. Um, his show in this match was very quick. He had a, some really good spots with Myron Reed. Uh, but overall, it was a pretty fast-paced match. You know, people flying everywhere, a few good spots, but a very quick five-way. So, Again, not necessarily a lengthy, extensive match, if that's what you were looking for. This match, I really did think, was meant to set up a few different stories or a few different people um, in, in different ways. So uh, I think story won out over match quality in this one. Um, but that was last week's MLW uh, episode. Big news, though, coming out. We talked about her earlier. Taya Valkyrie is making her return to Major League Wrestling on May 13th at Kings of Coliseum. She was last with MLW in September of 2019. And not only is she making her return, she's making it in a big way because Major League Wrestling announced that the inaugural Women's World Featherweight Champion will be crowned uh, at Kings of Coliseum. Taya Valkyrie will face Holla Dead for the new championship. So on her first night back to MLW, Taya is going for some more championship gold uh, and could possibly walk out uh, of Philly as the MLW uh, World Women's World Featherweight Champion. And those two together is a banger. Like mm-hmm. they they uh, always produce great results. I don't think they've met a lot, but the couple times I've I've thinking i've seen i might have just dreamed all of this up i can't come up with an event off the top of my head but yeah the two together i mean a very physical style you're going to see a lot of hard-hitting action and i'm i'm there for it i want to see that match so bad yes yes may 13th and it will be part of a mlw fusion tv taping so even though we're going to know the results ahead of time we will be able to see that match in full on YouTube uh, for free. So, again, it's just one of those perks about Major League Wrestling. Uh, great overall, you know, match quality and TV quality for free. Only one hour a week, even though there's so much wrestling around. MLW really provides some d- digestible, bite-sized uh, episodes each and every week. So uh, make sure you stay tuned into the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast as we continue to cover Major League Wrestling. With that, we are going to transition to this week in Lucha Libre history. You know it, you love it, you missed it. So go ahead, Dusty, why don't you teach us a thing or two? That's right. It's time for this week in Lucha Libre history. Be sure to check in at LuchaCentral.com every single day for this day in Lucha Libre by Pep Carrera. He's got information, birthdays, anniversaries, matches of the day, amazing videos, and even more. And it's all about Lucha Libre. That's at LuchaCentral.com, your centralized place for all things Lucha Libre. This week, we chose to highlight the career of Taya Valkyrie. She's had an incredible week this week. Besides all the other stuff we mentioned, there's some impact stuff coming up. There, She had the incredible suplex, like a superplex chair spot against Athena and Prestige Wrestling. But for this week 
in Lucha Libre is because she defeated Ayako Hamada for the Reina's title on April the 21st, 2017. This was her second reign as the title, with the title rather. Taya joined AAA in November 2012 as part of the Paros del Mall faction. She very quickly rose in popularity since her debut with Paros on the indie circuit in April. By Triple Mania 22 the next year, Taya defeated Fabi Apache to get her first reign as title win. And she was reign as champion for over three years. Well, almost three years, I guess. And she lost the title on March 19th, 2017, only to pick it up a month later at this match that, you know, for this week in Lucha Libre at a TV taping in Tijuana. Taya's importance in AAA cannot be overstated. And I'd argue she's the most famous international star that AAA has launched in the last 10 years penta is a close candidate as well they might actually be tied but he fits into that there's just a special synergy between peros del mall and triple a that for a very special moment in time did a lot for penta did a lot for taya but it also did a lot for luchas we see it today on tv without that peros del mall faction lucha underground as we know it wouldn't have happened Mm -hmm. and it's just so important taya has come back to triple a twice Currently, she's back in AAA. We mentioned before she's going to be appearing in a trios match at next week's Triple Mania Chapter 1. But it sounds like a Reina's championship match isn't far away. So, Brendan, what are some of your memories of Taya in AAA? Well, first off, this match, uh, the match you were talking about with Hamada. it's incredible. It was a transcendent match for a lot of people. Like, if I wanted – when I wanted to get people into Lucha Libre – and they were really more entrenched in like wanting to see the the kind of indie style of wrestling. I'd be like, look, they they're doing it here. Look at what they're doing with these ladies, and and I would show that that match, and it it would always always get result with somebody saying, I want to see more of this product. And uh, I mean, Taya's popularity is well above and beyond just being. Uh, a woman's division wrestler like you know there's yes. a lot of a lot of talk of, about uh on this show in particular but in, in the you know like where the women's wrestling place is and you have your Taya valkyries and your thunder rosas uh that that transcend that she wrestled a lot of intergender matches down in triple a yeah. they, they are well, not afraid. even in lucha underground too yeah yeah, they're right. not afraid of them in Mexico. That's that's just but uh so she but she worked well with the in those. Um but that's not the point I'm trying to make either. It's yeah. just that she she's so good and so it doesn't matter. She's one of the most credible intergender wrestlers of yes. all time. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it, it doesn't well matter stated. who she's in the ring with. She's she's yeah, going it, to make something yes. amazing happen. You know it's going to be a good match. It could be, I mean, I always love going back to it. It could be the Invisible Man or the the sex doll from Japan, and you still are going to have a good match out of Taya. So um, that's always kind of the, <laughs> the test for me is if somebody can work with something like that that doesn't do give you anything, and you still get a good match. You and uh, Taya can. So there you go. Um, but that yeah, that's the first and foremost thing. Uh, I talked to her when she came up here for a Defy show. She's very, very rooted in in her Mexican heritage, her Mexican roots. Like she, uh, if you've ever heard the story, she went down there by herself to learn. She yeah. did 
crazy things like get on the subway by herself to get to to and from classes, which is where she started learning to wear a loca nickname. Uh, they, they like they decided. Yeah, Arrow thought she was crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, he's like, no, nobody does that. <laughs> right? And she did. And especially nobody that looks like Taya doesn't get bothered constantly. Yeah. And, but she did that. Like, yeah, her, her air is so tough that, yeah, it's yeah. just cool. But I mean, and so, so she's always proud. I wore a Parastel Mall's shirt to that and she pulled me out of the crowd to say she really appreciated seeing that because that is a huge part of, of, of her personal sense of identity so i just i I, you know i think about that match i think about her 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 time with the with paros when they were the hottest faction Uh, like those are some of the biggest but she's not done making her legacy is the the part about that that's super cool like she's you know if you look at the the career of Blue Demon Jr., for example, he, you know, she could easily be a figure like that in another couple of decades where she's still wrestling and mm-hmm. still, uh, you know, still a huge draw and still that because she's what she's got is more less about physicality and more about charisma, even though she is very physical. It's that she's very charismatic about doing it. You're very invested in in her matches and either her winning or not winning, depending on which side of the coin she's on. Cause when she turned on Paro, she was super hated too, but that was the, uh, that, I mean, it worked so well and almost worked too well. Cause I don't know if she was going to be welcome back in Mexico for a while after that. Um, anyway, I'm going to, I could keep rambling and I know Miranda has a lot of things to say about Taya too. So, uh, well, I think it's a very obvious. We all are, are very big Taya fans <laughs> for, for all the reasons. We just uh, literally all the reasons. If you have not listened to any of these episodes before out of 96, I feel like, a, you know, a good, you know, 70% uh, of these have some mention of Taya and when, way or another um and i do think what and not to say that others haven't elevated the title as uh but i feel like when you think of reina de reina's champions you mm-hmm. know and the elevation of that title it's synonymous with taya you know with having uh the longest reign in company history as someone who was able to bring that over to an american audience was though it wasn't necessarily seen a whole lot in impact it paved the way for what they now have with diana um and and having the visibility to u.s audiences um and i absolutely agree with how her work in triple a really helped create the mold for what lucha underground did and especially intergender wrestling um you know she was really able to showcase that so well in lucha underground uh between her and, and sexy star um they were really the two who could hang with with any man in the ring and i really felt that that helped establish lucha underground at such a different product a different television show, um, but also able to highlight with her how versatile she is in the ring and truly facing anyone. I adore how much respect and admiration she has for the Mexican culture coming in from the other side from Canada and, and really taking a chance on Lucha Libre, which not a lot of women do. 
because of how notoriously challenging um, Lucha Libre style of wrestling is. And to go there and to train on her own, I completely understand how she won the respect and admiration of her peers and the community, um, not only from her ethic, but just how she embraced it and how she made it her own. And even now, she's a, a beautiful hybrid of hardcore wrestling, lucha libre, uh, traditional style, a mm-hmm. strong style. I mean, like, there's so many things about her style that are so undervalued, but she too, I mean, talk about hardcore style. You know, one of the things that she did in Dallas was wrestle a hardcore match against Paro, uh, and at no peace underground, um, because she's, she's, she's used to challenges. And so I just don't think there's anything this woman can't do. I, I really, uh, I really don't think so. I really want to come back on a point you meant that there's more than just it's than just the difficulties of being a foreigner uh, in in the Mexican it, it, the lucha libre culture itself is hard on people and twice as hard on women and exoticos like uh, you can do listen to any interview and know that they are super so to to thrive in that environment the way that that Taya did is extraordinary like i've talked with other uh wrestlers from the states who've gone down to train lucha and it's hard it's really hard and the women in particular had an extra hard time because there's a culture and a mold that they want you to fit in taya doesn't necessarily didn't necessarily fit in that mold but she made a spot for herself anyway so i mean yeah just just to add to that level of, of all, and then to, to come out of that not being bitter, but instead really embracing that Mexican yeah. cultural her- heritage, just really, yeah. I mean, yeah, she has her own recipe in the Eat Like a Luchador cookbook. Indeed. So if there's yeah. not a bigger... <laughs> a good uh, recipe. That's my carne asada recipe now. Like, that's yeah. the one I follow. So, I mean, that's, that says something. If you're that lucha enough to be featured in a lucha libre cookbook, which you can find, <laughs> uh, at Amazon, um, at Mass Republic and uh, bookstores all over, uh, you know, that, that says something about your testament to, and impact in lucha libre culture. Well, that does it for this week in Lucha Libre history. Don't forget to check out this day in Lucha Libre history on LuchaCentral.com. But wait, there's more, a lot more that you can find on LuchaCentral.com. Brendan, can you tell our listeners what else they can find? Uh, Yeah, so if you're listening to this and you haven't visited LuchaCentral.com, I mean, really, really, it's time to do it. LuchaCentral.com is the online home for Lucha Libre where you can get all of the top news in English and in Spanish. Find the best curated video content and original content not seen anywhere else. Find when Lucha Libre events would be happening in your area. Find photo galleries from top photographers covering Lucha Libre all around the world. It's a place to have your voices heard from weekly polls to annual awards, seen and read by top executives in all of the major Lucha Libre promotions across the globe. And we're back to it here. The, the kicker, the, the coup de gras, the final, the, the, the icing on the cake, the, the last, uh, the flaming coffin, whatever you want to call it. It's free. It's free. That's Lucha my favorite Central price. Dot, right? The yes, best price. Super free. <laughs> super free. 
LuchaCentral.com, your centralized place for all things Lucha Libre. Up next, uh, we got Impact Wrestling, and guess what? It's more Taya news. <laughs> this is her week. Because this is her week. This is legit her week. So, uh, and maybe not exactly week week, but we're just going to back a little bit to the events that happened during WrestleMania weekend, specifically during Impact's Multiverse of Matches event. Uh, Diana Parazzo did her champ champ challenge, uh, at the event and ended up, uh, putting the AAA Reina de Reina's championship on the line when she faced Fabi Apache, uh, in a awesome match. Um, a after appearance too. A rare, yes, a rare yeah. appearance, uh, by Fabi. And again, uh, uh, the elevation of that Reina de Reina's championship, um, you know, having that defended on an impact show uh, against a triple A wrestler was a, a huge deal um, to, to have uh, after that match. Now, this was a curious thing because on top of her okay, being the Rena Arenas champion, Diana Parazzo is still currently the Ring of Honor World uh, Women's World Champion. Now, um, at Supercard of Honor, uh, Ring of Honor crowned a interim champion as AEW loves to do. Uh, when Willow, Willow Nightingale faced Mercedes Martinez to become the interim champion, Mercedes Martinez won that match and so she is now the Ring of Honor, uh, interim r- women's champion. And you have, you know, Diana Parazzo, your current ROH Women's Champion. Uh, so she kind of cut a promo in the middle of the ring afterwards addressing that. Um, but then something happened, which to Brandon's credit, he completely 100% predicted. Uh, I didn't, <laughs> didn't want to think about it. I literally, if you listen back to a few weeks ago, Brandon predicted it and I would not let myself feel it. I wouldn't let myself feel the feelings. <laughs> I, I said it was the only one that was going to work for me, and and guess what? It was the one that worked for yes. me. Yes, so. and that is because uh, La Huera Loca came back home to Impact. She made her first appearance there since leaving um, and confronted Diana Parazzo and pretty much said, don't worry about the Ring of Honor Women's World Championship. Worry about the AAA Reina de Reina's Championship. And she challenged Diana Parazzo for the AAA Reina de Reina's Championship uh, for Rebellion. That is scheduled for this Saturday, April 23rd. So Taya comes home to Impact to face Diana Parazzo for the AAA Reina de Reina's Championship. Sold. I'm done. Do it. <laughs> Shut up and take my money. All the things. All yeah, the things. I think that uh, that is that has potential to be the show stealer. Yes. I mean, I, again, for for Taya to to come back, I keep saying home to Impact, but that you know, Impact was really the place that Taya helped you know, establish her outside of Lucha Underground as, as this American uh, wrestling star and to be able to face Diana for the belt that she never lost. I mean, it's yeah. just, it's, it's 
such a great story to tell. Oh They're going to have so an amazing match. I already feel it in my bones. They're going to have a great match. And then that alludes to, you know, what will happen um, at Triple Mania in a few weeks. You know, will Taya come back to Mexico as the, the Reina de Reina's champion? I mean, signs point to yes, but, you know, <laughs> I, 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 I'd like to think so. You know, but two, it also Diano's in, a, in an interesting predicament now, where uh, the the champ champ could be no champ at all, uh, as you know, one of of her highly contested belts is you know at, at risk of being lost from Taya, and then with Ring of Honor, we know the direction they're going in with that, so it is very likely that she will also. Uh, you know, lose that belt somewhere down the road. Granted, she would have a, a great match with Mercedes Martinez, um, but it, it, the walls are closing in on Diana Perazzo, Um, and that is someone who has really thrived and benefited from being champion. So I, you know, maybe they'll they'll extend this to be a longer feud for Diana versus Taya. I don't think that's a bad thing whatsoever um, because God, they can have a hell of a good match day in and day out. But it also just feels like triple a is, is doing all the overtures for, for Taya and to have her in kind of her rightful place as Reina de Reina's champion just seems like it's, it's what is meant to be. Uh, I'm just, I'm already fantasy booking all of the things they could do with her as Reina de Reina's champion. Like, there's yeah. so many good matchups they can do. The, the women's division has really exploded down there, and there's so many interesting and cool matchups. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I think, uh, that, that, uh, She's probably not going to win on this first one because it just just like with Under Rosa, it's going to be a, a better story to have a chase. Um, you're going to have fans get more invested. So I think, uh, you know, we'll have some shenanigans maybe. But uh, I'm I'm there for it. I, I'm OK with seeing multiple matches of Deanna Parasso and and Taya. Like, uh, please, I will I will buy the pay-per-view every time. Yes. Rebellion <laughs> is part of uh, Impact Plus. It's an Impact Plus exclusive. Um, so that is a separate fee. Um, but it's not a full pay-per-view price. So you do get it at a discount, which maybe they will wait until a little bit later in the year for a bigger pay-per-view uh, to do this. Or maybe AAA wants to end up getting that big match itself. So I see where you're going with this, Brendan. Right. Right. Yeah. There's lots of ways they can do it. And I like uh, I, all of them are good. So, uh, that is the impact. You know, we're going to be having those match results, uh, especially the match results for Taya versus Deanna Parazzo at Rebellion this Saturday. We'll have that, uh, in the future. We are going to jump into NXT because some things have been happening in NXT. I don't know if you know these things, uh, but NXT 2.0 has had some events happening. Uh, Some very interesting developments with Legado de Fantasma as well as 
I, I like to call it graduation. Someone on the NXT 2.0 roster has made the official call up uh, to SmackDown. First, we're going to get reacquainted with Legato de Fantasma. Uh, one of the more interesting things happening with WWE has been this naming edict. And what that has come about is WWE is now uh, no longer allowing talent to use their real names. Uh, anyone who's now coming into the WWE fold will be coming under a new WWE. Yeah. But one of those people who was kind of under that edict was Bravo Mendoza. Um, so he has now been renamed Cruz del Toro. And that is official. Uh, it's on the NXT roster page. Commentary now refers to him. And it's just one of those things that we don't ever think about him being Raul Mendoza. He has always now been Cruz del Toro. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. Uh, I, I totally remember when Cruz del Toro was thrown in the backseat of that SUV. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I guess I guess so. I guess so. Uh, that's WWE for you. They just make you we're like, we're not going to talk about it. We're just this, this is the way it's always been. OK. Uh, so for this week in NXT, though, speaking of Legato de Fantasma, uh, Raul Mendoza, I'm sorry, not Raul Mendoza, uh, Joaquin Wilde and Cruz del Toro faced the grizzled young veterans, which now they're not even calling them the grizzled young veterans. They just call them Drake and Gibson. So, again, name stuff I don't know anymore. Uh, but the the match itself started off really hot uh, by Cruz del Toro flying over the top rope, landing on uh, Drake and Gibson, then Joaquin Wilde following uh, shortly afterward. This match was fast and furious. Um, really with, it was only about four minutes long, uh, not a lot of breathing room, but it worked well. It wasn't one where there was so much action. It was hard to follow. It was actually very well paced and tempoed. Legato did get the win, which was much needed after their loss last week in the gauntlet match for the NXT tag team titles. Again, for me, when it went last week for that tag team gauntlet match, uh, I another lost opportunity for Legato de Fantasma. I can't now. What is this? The fourth time that they've tried to go after tag team gold and not been close. Um, you wonder, you know, what does that mean for them? If will they ever get close to the tag team titles? Um, but I also have to admit, like, I'm kind of obsessed with Pretty Deadly now, so I'm gonna let it go. Uh, <laughs> Pretty deadly. This is not lucha related at all, but I'm just obsessed with their look and how ridiculous they are. Um, so I'm gonna let it go. I'm, I'm gonna let NXT 2.0 take this one with Pretty Deadly. Um, it also seems like the Diamond Mind, you know, the Creed brothers are are, are probably coming up next in line. But uh, again, I, there has to be some kind of point where Legato has some leverage. I'll talk about what that may look like in a minute because it may be coming in another feud that's happening. Um, shortly after this match, uh, Santos Escobar actually came out with uh, Cruz and Wild um, because it was segueing into his match with Carmelo Hayes. Now, before this match, there was some pre-taped interviews with Santos Escobar and Carmelo Hayes. Santos Escobar pretty much making fun and mocking Carmelo Hayes 
um, for losing the North American Championship at Stand and Deliver and pretty much telling him he's in the back of the line where Carmelo Hayes is pretty much commending Santos but giving him pretty much no leeway and be the one telling him he's in the back of the line. Um, I just really think Santos's promos work has just been fantastic. He speaks so smoothly and eluquently and really one of the luchadors who can talk. And that's yeah. a rarity in WWE. So I can understand why maybe he's been spending that time in NXT to really hone and develop his promo skills because it's worked and he can get on the mic and, and talk so well uh and again that um you know nuance of, of luchadors maybe not being the best talkers um i think santos escobar is the exception to that rule um so i'm i'm definitely okay with him continuing to hone that promo skill and that work because in the case that he does graduate into you know raw or smackdown that's going to take him um a long way so again fantastic fantastic promo I'm going to pile on a little bit with this because I was recently listening to Conan again and they went on for about three to five minutes about why they think that he should already be on the main roster and echoing points like that. They think he talks really well. He's got a great look and he's got a great move set. So like uh, it's coming from Conan and I mean that you can't argue with that. Disco agreed with him. I mean, you know, that the mileage will vary on that, but uh just wanted to pile on because I mm-hmm. went that uh really he's he's uh should be the future. I I'm allowing myself to be a little bit optimistic because he's not so invested in, in Lucha Libre uh as is his main focus that he might actually make it in a WWE main yeah. roster environment. He, he absolutely could. And I think the proof was in this match with Carmelo Hayes. Like, this match gave me Fight Forever vibes. Um, they just were able to match each other's speed, intensity, agility. Uh, they just have such, such great chemistry. Uh, and I really, I just want to watch them keep fighting all day. Uh, Santos was over with the crowd. Um, and even... Though there was really interesting elements in this where Santos was by himself um, in this match because uh, after the previous match, um, Cruz and Wild were attacked by uh, Josh Briggs and Brooks Jensen, a tag team they've been feuding with, as well as Electra Lopez was attacked by Fallon Henley. Uh, so they, all of, all of his help were gone. So, um, you know, Santos Escobar got tripped by Trick Williams, uh, and a bit of a distraction, which is very interesting karma, I think, for Santos, uh, knowing how involved Legado de Fantasma gets in his matches. Um, but there was some great back and forth strikes in the ring. Again, that I, the crowd was very much 
you know, back and forth with them and gave a lot of great energy. Um, Santos Escobar was looking to get the win. He was really striking to uh, get the advantage in the match. However, um, in the moment where he was outside of the ring, two men in some suits attacked him. Um, and they ended up uh, getting the back of his knee with a crowbar. Um, with And then Carmelo Hayes was able to get the win. This is part of a larger storyline that they're developing between Santos Escobar and Tony D'Angelo, which is like the mob versus the cartel. Is this really what I'm just trying to... Um, I, you know, I'm there for it. I want to see I that. mean, it sounds silly, but it also makes a lot of sense where both characters are part of a family that may or may not do some nefarious means. Um, you know, Tony D'Angelo had a big win over Tommaso Ciampa. He is now the new Don of NXT, but Santos Escobar is the emperor of Lucha Libre and Legado is very much about family and legacy and tradition, which aligns a little bit with what Tony D'Angelo is doing. So mm-hmm. is it kind of a cheap way of, you know, getting, oh, we got two characters that are somewhat alike. And- but that's a, a great way to do story. Okay. I guess. I, I mean, yeah, I mean, it is a great way to do the story as long as it's not super cheesy. Right. Ish. I don't know. I'm, a, I'm uh, a little hesitant, but also I'm I'm completely on board on this. Well, it would make more sense if uh, Legato were a little more dominant right now, but uh, I just see and it yes, as a, a good power uh, struggle yes. story. Um, and now I, I think you're absolutely right about that because again, uh, Joaquin Wilde and Roman Mendoza did get the win, but again, they're I'm sorry, very. Who? Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Damn it, Cruz, Cruz del Toro, Cruz del Toro, and Joaquin Wilde got the win again. But it's like it's flip flop, win and lose, win and lose. You know, yeah. um, it's a fifty fifty booking. And, and Santos Escobar had a great showing at Stand and Deliver, but again, you know, and, and I feel like they're going to only use this momentum to put over Tony D'Angelo. So I, I, I'm here for the storyline of it, but I just am super. We get back into this booking pattern with Legado de Fantasma, where they just kind of keep losing, and how do you end up taking them so seriously, even though they are right. truly your most dominant faction in NXT? True. You, uh, yeah. Well, uh, as we've established many times over, NXT 2.0 is kind of a creative mess right now. So, um, you know, maybe this will be the thing that helps them turn it around. I'll just, yeah. you know. So, uh, in the final news of NXT, uh, something that also happened at, uh, well, as Stand and Deliver, uh, Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai did win the NXT Women's Tag Team titles from Toxic Attraction. However, they then lost it immediately after on the next episode of NXT 2.0. So a very short reign. Granted, longer than their first reign. Uh, and there was a, <laughs> it was. It's uh, a, you're not wrong. Yeah. Uh, but then uh, a lot of rumors afterward about what was going to be happening with Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai. We got new shortly thereafterward that Raquel Gonzalez uh, was being called up to SmackDown, now being renamed Raquel Rodriguez. Uh, so 
again, some of that name edict thing happening, but Raquel Gonzalez is no longer part of the NXT 2.0 roster, now part of SmackDown. Um, so this is her little graduation from my segment to Dusty segment. Uh, and I'm going to miss her. I'm going to miss talking about her in oh, NXT. Man. Um, yeah. Think about me. I've been waiting, wanting to talk about her, and she's not in any of my segments. That's true. <laughs> but you have a good point. Yes, <laughs> but this is my little, you know, the, the turning of the tassel. Uh, Raquel Gonzalez has now been moved up to SmackDown. Uh, I, you know, hope that we could see her in the ring. So far, no uh, big matches or news from her outside of just her appearances on SmackDown. Um, very smiley, which from what I understand, yeah. she did an interview with Busted Open uh, earlier this week in mm-hmm. which she was told that that was part of, you know, the her character change is to smile more. She was was told to smile more. Um <sighs> I, I know, I know, I know, yeah. I know, there's, I know. So there's, there's multiple reasons why that particular feedback is awful, but, uh, <laughs> so, uh I'm just gonna stick with the one where it's, it totally misses the point of her character. That's, I but, agree. However, she does have a beautiful smile, so I'm fine with it too, a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be mad about that. Part, yeah. Yes. But. <laughs> But uh, you know we yeah. will we will see. So that is the, that is the end of my NXT news for this week. Uh, and with that, as I, I'm handing over Raquel to Dusty as she moves <laughs> on to uh, the main roster news. So Dusty, go ahead as we finish with WWE. Yeah, the only other real main roster news is uh during our break, Veer made his second appearance on Monday Night Raw. He finally showed up. They've been telling us he was coming for months now. He came. Second match in. Destroyed Dominic Mysterio in a squash match. And then refused to let Dominic out of the submission hold until Dominic eventually had to be wheeled out on the stretcher. We've mentioned before, Dominic's momentum in WWE was spotty at best. And his treatment of being a big deal or somebody that was the guy was just not good. Mm -hmm. And now with this squash, it's clear that they don't see him as anybody important. I, I don't know what's going on there. Like, such a strong start to be so misused going forward. Strange choice, hard for us Lucha fans. You know, we want to see Rey Mysterio and Dominic win. We want to see them be the guys. We don't want to see them getting beat up all the time. And for some reason, that's just what WWE's decided to provide us lately. And I feel like for a lot of us, it's kind of turning us off on the product. Mm-hmm. We, You know, I mean, even outside of Lucha fans, so many wrestling fans know Rey Mysterio. And nobody wants to see him lose. And Dominic's a damn giant. Nobody wants to see him lose either. So it just didn't make sense to me. Terrible take for who they wanted. I mean, they could have used local enhancement talent. It didn't have to be Dominic for the squash It would have been better with local enhancement talent, to be honest. Because it would have... Yeah. It made more sense. Yeah. It was sent a very clear message instead of the muddled one they got. <sighs> yeah, disappointing time, WWE. We've mentioned this before. Things <laughs> tend to run hot and cold with WWE, but lately it's been consistently very cold. We'll see what happens. We always keep an eye on it, but not much to be excited about in WWE for Lucha fans right now. 
I'm going to throw out my fantasy booking that I thought of while we were doing this because of the transition with talking about Raquel coming up. Raquel and Dominic in a kind of rebranded version of Eddie and China. Oh my God. Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That would be so good. And I mean, no offense to China, but Raquel is so, I mean, just light years ahead of China. I think in strength and ability, like China was just a marvel to look at, but Raquel has that physicality with talented ability that China just didn't have in the same way. You're right. You're right. It's so dumb. It's good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So dumb. It's good. I love it. It just came out. You're right. It's it's kind of dumb, but I mean, yeah, I just thought I was like, that's too. It's perfect. dumb in the best ways. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's never gonna happen, folks. I mean, that that's an idea that's just too uh, too amazing for SmackDown. <laughs> I can dream. Yes, you can dream. Well, you did call, uh, you know, Taya coming back to Impact. Uh, so. We've, we've been right never. on the show a few times. Yeah, but. there's there's been a few things that we've gotten right. We have well, a I fairly just, good track record. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know if I want to count this one against that total, though, because that's <laughs> like a total fantasy booking. <laughs> It'd be fun. I just don't think it's on anybody's radar right now, including either of theirs. So. <laughs> well... Ladies and gentlemen, we've done it. We've made it to the end of this week's episode of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to check out LuchaCentral.com, your centralized place for all things Lucha Libre. You can also check out Lucha Central on social media at Lucha Central on Facebook and Instagram and at LuchaCentral.com on Twitter. Also check out Lucha Central's YouTube page where you can find archives of all of our episodes as well as the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast in Espanol and interviews, matches, and other content you can't find anywhere else. While you're at it, go ahead and follow us on social media. Dusty, can you let our listeners know where they can find you? Yeah, I am on Facebook at facebook.com slash Dusty Murphy, and I am on Instagram at Dusty Murphy. And Brendan, can you let our listeners know where they can find you? I am 321 T-Shirt Guy. That's the numbers, 321, and T-Shirt Guy is all spelled out. I am on Facebook, I'm on Instagram, and as I alluded to, I'm all over the Twitters. And me, Miranda Morales, you can find me at the hashtag Miranda uh, on Instagram and Facebook. No Twitter, that's just not my thing. Uh, But feel free to reach out to us about your thoughts on the show, as well as uh, thoughts about uh, things that we talk about, things around the news. Uh, also, if you are an independent wrestler, promotion, fan, please reach out to us. We love to talk about independent wrestling, and you may be featured on a future edition of the Indie Roundup. Uh, if you are listening to this on your favorite podcast platform like Instagram, Instagram uh, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, you can subscribe, rate, and review. Subscribe, and that way you get a notification each and every time a new episode of the lucha central weekly podcast drops you can leave us a five star rating and give us a review again let us know your thoughts on the show it feels good to be back everyone so make sure you stay tuned to us 
A big thank you to all of you who have listened to this week and weeks before. Uh, we will be back with you soon, so make sure you stay tuned. For Brendan Barr and Dusty Murphy, I'm Miranda Morales. Thank you all, and we'll be back with you next week.